Yo, yo, what up, people? It's your boy Trap Dave, and I'm back again. Um, something new, something new that I'm trying. Uh, I hope y'all fuck with it, you know what I'm saying? This is my uh, show called Needle to the Groove. Basically, where I sit down with my DJ friends, man, and we chop it up about DJing, you know what I'm saying? That's what we do. Uh, that's the culture we love, and that's, um, like I always say, man, I put DJs over rappers any day, man. Um, that is part of the backbone of this hip-hop culture that we love. Um, so yeah, man, I have the privilege to sit down with my DJ friends and chop it up. And today I got another special guest. Um, man, this 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 guy's like my secret weapon, man. This is like the guy. If if I if I don't know the answer, I know he knows the answer. He puts me on to so much stuff. I, I definitely classify him as a historian. Um, speaking of DJs, I talked to my homie DJ D Boogie today. We talked about uh, talked about this man a little bit, and he was like, "Man, this guy knows so much history um, with the culture and within Columbus alone." And um, like I said, man, uh, when I first started practicing DJ, I'm not a DJ yet, but when I first started practicing DJ, he's one of the first people to come to the crib and just. Get Give me advice on, on how to do things, man. He made it seem so easy. Like, yeah, man, just, you know what I'm saying? Practice, man, you get it. So um, I have the pleasure of sitting down here with my man, DJ Paz 2. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> Yo, Hello. welcome to the show, man. I appreciate up, man? you, appreciate, man. Appreciate the, uh, the, the invite and... Um, you know, ready to talk about whatever we're we going to talk about. Yeah, man. What, 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 we, what we talking about? So, I yeah, know. shout out to uh, yeah, what we talk about podcast. That's, yeah. that's home base for me. You know, what right? I'm shout out to my guys, Reese, Des, and Blaze. Yes, sir. Um, Got always family, um, for real. But uh, this is needle to the groove. So this is what we going to do. <laughs> um, first of all, man, how you doing, bro? You know, today's a little little wild. You know, <laughs> yeah. I know we talked about that earlier, but yeah, air stories is wild. Yeah, it's, it's only the you know it's like twelve thirty right now, and already this. this morning it's been uh, it's been a roller coaster of emotions but for sure um i'm here man i made sure i, I was i was going to be here and and here we are yes sir i appreciate your time so um we're just going to jump into the show man um why dj why for me for you man it's just it's, it's it's uh as far as back as i can remember it's been a passion i mean seriously like i can't remember where there was a moment where I was, I saw something. I was like, "That's what I wanted to do." Like, I felt like it's something I've always wanted to do. Um, let's play music for people, entertain uh, any any way possible. Um, but it, it it just, I don't know. I mean, hip hop. Fortunately, hip hop has been in my life. You know, I was born in 1980, so hip hop has technically been in my life you know, oh, yeah, forever. Like yeah. So. I did get to see, you know, DJ and stuff at, at an early age, but like I said, I don't really remember it being like something that was like that. Ex I mean, it did excite me or whatever, but like it just seemed like it's something I've always wanted to do, really. I, I and, and so um, I go back for, to my some of my first gigs were like when I was like twelve and thirteen for family. So oh shit, yeah. So I, I've been, you know. Something I've always wanted to do, and uh, that's it, man. There's really not no one particular thing. What when you when you were 12 or 13, like what records were you playing though? Like nah, so that's funny you say that. So I wasn't playing records. I had this is these were like family get-togethers. So and my family on my mom's side is like all females. It's oh, so okay. many females. Hey, ladies. So, yeah, and and well, you know, I, I was going to draw another step, but <laughs> it's, it's cool. It, it, it really doesn't matter. So, anyways, so mad females, and um, so we'd have these like family get-togethers, and I would bring. I had two radios, and they was like tape, you know, boom boxes. Yeah. So I had tapes and CDs, and I would just play like. Tapes or whatever, but I was playing like disco, oh, like eighties disco. I wasn't playing. I, I would play some. Like at that time, they were into like, like Tootsie Roll, and like okay, uh, yeah, you know, like this yeah. like ninety three, ninety two, like you know, like well, yeah, like Tootsie Roll. Yeah, maybe what, I'm a little. What, what was it? Sixty nine, sixty nine. That might be like ninety four. I mean, yeah, that I was, was like that stuff too. But regardless, like I was trying, like there was some new stuff that they were like, you know, I remember like this is how we do it and all that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. but regardless, I was playing at 12 and 13 years old. I was playing the stuff that I knew they liked, which was like all the disco stuff, you know, from, I mean, you name it, disco, just disco hits in general, and I would just. 
our family song is We Are Family. Like, so I had to play that, you know. And then from like KC to Sunshine Band to Gap Band, Rick James, Michael Jackson, you name it. So I'm like 12, 13 years old, and I'm and I'm chewing them on tapes. Oh, so like, shit. so on this boombox, this is playing. So then I'm over here on this boombox and getting I got my headphones on getting it ready and it fades out and then I hit play. So I didn't have no mix or anything. So that's that was how I was doing it. Then also, again, like I said, I had CDs too. So I would do that for like three, four hours, man. Like that's late, like wow. late at night. You basically you like a makeshift. DJ at the time. At the time, man. And it was like, so that's where I was getting my start from. Like, I mean, I knew what I wanted to do, and I was already doing it then. Word. So, so what was the first, if you can remember, what, what was like the first, I don't want to say the first, first like cassette tape you bought, but what was the first piece of vinyl you, you bought? Um, well, I remember that personally. Uh, the first, I bought three vinyl, three pieces of vinyl. Uh, it was that Singing Dog on the, on the corner dog. of uh, Chittenden and High Street, and it was three, it was three singles, three twelve inches. It was Keith Murray to rhyme. Oh shit! Helter Skelter, Nocturnal, and. Uh, Capone and Noriega, Legal Life, stick you 12 inch. So that had so to be 90. That was summer of 96. So summer those were the first three. And I was, I think, I was, see, my birthday's in, in June. So like, I'm like a half, like, you know, like yeah, half the year, year I'm 15, half yeah. the year I'm 16 or whatever. So I think I was like, like close to 16 at that time. Um, but. So '96 was was when, the, but I had vinyl before then because my my mom, she had records, so you know I had like the break like the breaking soundtrack was like a big thing for me, because um, we had that we had that in the house, and then like of course like we had like Thriller, uh, we had uh, what's that one, um, the group all uh, the the M E T H O D S L O D E the Oats. The oh, oh John, yeah, that album that had that song on it. <laughs> I, had, I used to play that all the time. So when Method Man came out with MET, I was like, "Yo!" Yo yeah. <laughs> like I remember playing that when I was like six years old. Like, so and then she had like some forty five. So I used to mess, and I had a record player in my room. Like it was like a stereo. So I used to mess around with that when I was a kid. Like just seeing what I saw on breaking, with like dudes scratching or whatever, and then I would try to imitate it. And I used to have tapes of me doing that. As a kid, oh, at like five years old, and I don't know where those tapes went, man. I have no idea. When when was the first time that you actually touched some turntables, like not just a record yeah, player, yeah. like some right, turntables? Right. Yeah, it's sixteen. My, my homie Steve, man, bigger. That dude's huge, man. I, I any like I can't. I mean, there's definitely people in my you know story or whatever that. You know, help, uh, or along the way, I always got to shout him out. This dude named Steve Counts. He had two 1200 techniques in a, in a mixer, like a Radio Shack mixer. Oh, shit. And so I was 16 years old and, like, like got word, you know, through, I think it was through Keto, my homie Keto. And Keto was like, yes, yeah, he's got 1200s. So, like, we would just go over there and we would just practice. Like, even Keto, you know, he wasn't trying to be a DJ, but, like, I mean, he was there. So the only thing I wanted to learn was I didn't, I knew, like, scratching was going to be more difficult. So one thing I wanted to do was just learn how to mix. That was my first thing. Just learn how to mix, learn how to blend. And then I'll learn everything else after that. Learn. So that's when, that's when I would go there. I would just learn how to blend. That's all I would do, just blend, blend, blend. Blend records? Blend records. Was y'all, was y'all a DJ crew or just? Yeah, that's, well, that's where my name came from. <clears throat> because he was, he started a, this dude started an LLC when he was like, I think just turned 18. It was called Products of Society. So that's where I took the P, the O, and the S from. Oh, shit. I never and, did that. And then, uh, and then I was like the second dude in charge. So that's why I put the two. And then at the time, I was also writing graffiti. <laughs> and so, <laughs> he just like, been a hip-hop dude through, oh, man, through your whole life. Oh, man. That's why Artifacts, the group Artifacts, they were a big inspiration on me. But anyways, like, yeah, so I was like, man, that's a dope tag, too. The Peter No S and then throw the two on the end of it. Like, oh, man, I'm so hip-hop. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely hip-hop. <laughs> Speaking of being hip-hop, in Columbus, you're, you're, you're um, known as a historian, man. I try to be, man. Um, it's difficult. 
but you really captured the art from back in the day, like before YouTubes and before, mm-hmm. um, you know, before we know, you know, social medias and all that. Like, why? Why? Why did you think it's important to, you know, capture that that history and, um, you know, share it with people that ask for it? Like, why do you think man, that's important? That's actually a good question, man. Um, I like the way you worded that. Um, it wasn't that it wasn't necessarily important to me. It was my passion for uh, homegrown, like in my backyard hip hop. Like I could watch TV all day, and it was like, oh, okay, there's KRS, there's you know these guys, they're on TV. But for me to be able to go down on High Street at Groove Shack and see Drastic and DJ Fazo and and see Spirit and you know Megahertz and all them, you know, intellect. See all these, you know, great guys, these great artists, and it's live in your backyard, like what you see on TV. Like, it's like being a fan of the Buckeyes. Like, yeah, you know, the Buckeyes yeah. are your team in your backyard, you know, and you want to support them and see them win, you know. So, like, that's what it was for me. It was like, wow, this is like the homegrown, like, this is it. Like, so I was so hungry for anything related to Columbus that I just I either kept mental notes of it mm-hmm. or anytime I seen a flyer anything with a flyer or anything I just kept it because I was just so like oh man anything anything hip hop related Columbus no matter what you know I gotta have it like so it was just more of this passion and then as years you know went on like I kept all that stuff and now it's like yo like people see these, yeah right? people see the stuff and to me I, I'm so glad I did that because now it's like when you go back to like the graffiti and stuff when everybody you know in the Khmer Koch and all of them and you know New York City and they were so down on graffiti now if you were to able to like you know cut out a side of a, a subway or whatever and keep an original piece man things worth like millions of dollars now yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying yeah. like so it's funny how like the tables turn and how like because that was the start of the culture and like I want to say like you know Columbus hip hop started way earlier than that but it it took a while for it to really evolve so in the mid 90s you're still getting a very fresh taste of 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 hip hop you know in Columbus a very very early start in my opinion um with with that. The scene in the mid '90s. Um, I, I I moved to Columbus, but I wasn't I wasn't in the scene. I didn't get into the scene till a, a, a lot later, actually around '99, 2000. But I'm talking like '95, '94. What was the biggest like? Where did, where did the MCs go? Where did the DJs go? Where did the graffiti artists go? Where did the break dancers go? Like hip hop yeah. dudes, where did we go? That's 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 a, that's a good question, and that's like I'm still learning. I mean, of course, the the obvious answer is Groove Shack. That okay. was the, that was the record store. So explain Groove Shack. Groove Shack was open from it was a record store right there off, like basically across from Scully's. Um, on, it was in between Fourth and Fifth on High Street, and uh, it was um, a record store open from like '93 to like early '97, and it was just a spot that like you could go. They would have open mics every first Friday. Oh shit! And so like so that was like the one spot that had an open mic. And then you remember? I don't know if you remember the uh, cable access channel. Yes, channel twenty one. I actually ended up rhyming on there. Okay, because <laughs> they got deaded around like two thousand and one, two thousand and two, or something like that. So anyway, like Groove Shack was a was a was a was a meet up place for a lot of DJs, um, graffiti artists, because. Uh, you know, as far as the breakers and stuff, I'm really not sure if they really had any spot, but um, there was just a lot of random stuff. I know Storm would do stuff at the King Art Center. And who was Storm? Storm. Uh, Storm, Mr. Uh, Joey there. Uh, <laughs> he was kind of like the, the manager. I don't know if he was technically a manager, but Storm was like, um, he was one of the first people between him and Intellect. To have an NPC in Columbus, I think Intellect had it first, but so like the NPC, you know, two thousand is like the marquee, like the you know hip hop or the what you make your beats on. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, like they were like between them two, they were one of the first. He he produced for Spirit, but I think he also was like their manager, and he uh, he also had like a uh, um, he put out a compilation called the Cosmic Cookie, and man, he sold those. I mean, out of his trunk. 
throughout America. Like, yep. like he traveled and sold the. <laughs> he, ended up, he, he ended up working with Dr. Dre and everything. Yeah, so Storm, right. So yeah. Storm is now, when as far as nowadays, he's more, he grew into a sound engineer and um, was out in Cali for a while working with, you know, you name him, Beyonce, Lil yeah. Wayne, you know, Dre. Columbus legend working exactly. with the biggest names. That's in your backyard. People. In your Just. backyard. <laughs> and he's and he's down to talk to anybody. Like, Absolutely. Like, use your resources, man. Like, this dude gives free classes at a library to, you know, help with sound engineering, you know, and, and like, that's amazing to me. Like, that's, that's what we need. Like, there's, you know, when you when you look at bigger cities, you know, they have stuff like that everywhere. We we we, we still kind of, in my opinion, a little under underdeveloped to where that's just not as accessible. And yeah. for him to, you know, give that time and free knowledge. I mean, these classes were free that he does. I mean, <laughs> shout out to Norm, uh, Storm Nine Thousand, yeah, man. Storm is, um, yeah. and then also I need to say another thing too. Besides the record store, there was also. Um, uh, the the uh, hip hop expo, which I think started in ninety four ninety five, but that was a once a year thing. Was that BHB? BHB and St- Storm was B- that was BHB's thing, but Storm was a big part of that as well. Shout out to BHB, and it was classic B boy DJ, legendary. You get really if you want to, you know, do another thing with uh, or you know get him in here and talk about some history. He's gonna lay it down between him and Prime. They could really go back. Yeah. But and I, and I would love to get those brothers to put out the word. <laughs> oh, man. Just let me know. Yeah. And I'll say it's, you know, I'll make it happen. So, anyways, so, but that was once a year in March, and it still is going on once a year. And But that, that was the problem. It was once a year. Yeah. But it was still nice because it was in, at the um, convention center in a big ass room. And just everybody's just together in one space. So that was really dope. Definitely. Um, I met uh, Rashad and Dion at the uh, at the Hip Hop Expo. So shout out to that. Yeah. Um, Expo re- responsible for a lot of uh, stuff, man. Can't can't go up without saying that. For sure. Let's get back to you. Um, what was your first real DJ gig where you felt like, mm. yo, like, all right, not not for the family, not right, right. for some no, strangers? I got, I got it, man. Uh, when I was, it was night. I actually, I remember the date. Talk about it. Uh, well, I don't remember it fully off the top of my head. It was September. We 90, can air it out. September of 97. And uh, my, my dude, Travis... Had a uh, it was his birthday, so if it was on his birthday, his birthday is September seventh. So I don't know if it was on that date or not, but anyways, we knew this guy. We knew the guy that owned this. Um, um, uh, he well, he was the manager of a um, apartment complex, and there was an empty some empty apartments. In this one area, he was like, "Yo, y'all could have y'all's party over there." Like, what? <laughs> you gonna let us have a party over there? And he's like, "Yeah, just don't start no mess. You gotta be done by midnight." I'm like, all right, bet. So, so Steve had his his turntables, and like I brought my records at the time. He had his records, and like that was the first one. That was so, so September. I was I would say it's September seven ninety seven, and we <laughs> packed the we had an upstairs apartment and a downstairs. And um, yeah, man, we just packed it out. bunch of bunch of high school kids. We didn't have any problems. Thank God. That's dope. Now, being like being in a, being a hip hop dude that you are, and being a DJ, and being white, did you did you run across any problems that way? Did people think you was a oh. poser, or think you was like trying to trying to be black or some shit? Not um, honestly, I really didn't have that problem, man. Um, I got some funny looks here and there. Uh, I used to, yo, especially when I used to, so my homie Tart, uh, when I went to East, uh, I mean, I, I, I went to East High School, so uh, if you know anything about East, boy, <laughs> so so Tark, I wish I could remember Tark's last name because Tark, Tark, Tark is, is you know Tark, I know go to Tark, okay, I wish I could remember Tark's last name. So me and Tark, so I didn't know you knew Tark. So me and Tark were homies, you know, in high school. And he was like, yo, like near the end of the year, you know, senior year, he started having parties at his house. And he was like, yo, like rock a party for me. And I'm like, I bet. So he lived like 
five houses be or five streets or four streets behind East High. Mm-hmm. So we're in the hood, hood like the real hood. Yeah, we're in there. <laughs> Not the so rap, like, the yeah, real like hood. I'm definitely showing up. And me and my homie Steve are like the only white dudes. Like <laughs> there's no white dudes around. Period. So like, which again, like whatever. I'm with Tark. I got you know my homies with me. Plus there's people from school that I knew there. Like it was no big deal. Like. There was nothing to be shook about, or I mean, nothing to be shook about in general. But like, there was a few people that like was trying to start some stuff, but it was it was on some whole other stuff, yeah. on some DJ stuff. Like, oh my, my homie's better than you. My yeah, homie's yeah, better yeah. than you. And we was like, yeah, let your homie get on, you know. And then like, so, but um, it was never on no like color stuff. I, I know, honestly, I never had that problem. That's dope. Thank God. <laughs> nah, because. You know, I, I felt like I had to ask that, but the reason, like, you never felt fake to me. Like, you never, like, you well, maybe always. That's how I, maybe that's how I came across You've always people. been you. Like, yeah, you oh, never, 100%. You never fronted or Yo, never, like, it, you always been you since the first day we met. Let me tell you a story real quick, and this might kind of go off on that, or on, to solidify that. Freshman year, we had, at the end of the freshman year at East High School, we had a, a uh, um, oh, talent show thingy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I still was a DJ and like I wasn't even touching tables yet or anything like that. I went up there and rapped. Oh I, shit! I wrote a rap with my dude. Uh, <laughs> I forget his name on top of my head. And I went up there and rap. And I don't remember the rap. I couldn't even yeah, tell you what yeah, it was. Yeah. And like you know, like people like like oh you know look at you know that dude up there and like kind of like fake yeah. you know give props. Yo, like, Cass was, like, rocking with me, giving me props afterwards, like, for real. Like, it was no... But that's what I'm saying. I just went up there, like, just being myself. Like, just, yo, I'm going to go up here, and I'm going to go up here, and I'm going to rap, and I'm going to have fun. And that's exactly what it was. And I swear, that was the end of ninth grade. My 10th grade year was the best year ever, man. Everybody <laughs> remembered me. <laughs> oh! Like, yeah, oh, that's all I'm doing. Yeah, and, like, yeah, I'm, you know, so here, I'm, like, friends with everybody on the, on the basketball team, and, like... Yo, and that was the year we had a great basketball team. Shout out to Mike Thornton. Shout out to Mike Thornton. So, like, yeah, um, yeah man, we had a good basketball team that year. It was awesome. Yep. Great year. All right, so what's your weapon of choice as a, as a DJ? Like, what, like, Technique 12s, Pioneers? Oh, okay. What is your... Well, right now, it's, it's the 1200s, but I'm all about, like, I really want to get a... Um, um, a controller like the new rain one that's out. Yeah, it's got it's got like little forty five looking, like the wheels look like forty fives. Okay, and they spin like actual like like a turntable. Like it feels like a real turntable, but it's the size of a forty five. Oh shit! That's actually what uh, Rob Swift, DJ Rob Swift, uses yeah. right now on tour with the College Game Day. Okay, and like it's like about fifteen hundred. You know, it, I think it's well worth it, and I really want to get that because. Honestly, man, like carrying out these twelve hundreds everywhere, like like depending on what gig it is, like it's really not needed. Like in my opinion, I'm not trying to break my back every yeah. gig I go to. Like so, it just depends on what type of show it is. But I really want to get. But yeah, so twelve hundreds is my weapon of choice. But I'm all for technology and controllers. That stuff doesn't piss it me off. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, it don't bother me. Um. Do you think the art of digging for records is dead? Um, well, it's not in a in a sense. It's definitely it's not how it used to be. I, I'll just say that I don't think it's dead because there are people still doing it. Um, I don't think people get as deep as they like as far as like really trying to find those like gem gems. Like, yeah. I think that part of the art is pretty much gone. Um, for like. Yeah, I don't, I just don't see much of that anymore. I know if I do, it's with the people that I expect to be doing it. So, like, um, but there's people still out there because, like, especially with producers, like they, I mean, you can go out there and find records. Like, they're not people are just looking for records that are older, and as long as they're a buck or whatever, like you can still go dig for a dollar. Yeah, you know, find dollar records. Um, see, in my era, growing up, it, like, or coming up with the break, it was more like. We had to like know like the dope labels and all that, and that's when the records start getting expensive. Yeah. So it's like, oh man, like I don't want to spend fifty dollars for this one stupid break, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, but I think the kids nowadays that are digging, they're just like going straight to the dollar records and they're just buying whatever they can, whatever looks cool to them. So I I don't think it's dead. I just think it's on on a different level. That's all. 
right. When, when it comes to DJing, um, do you do you personally do you separate it like? Oh, he's a turntablist. Oh, he's a party rocker. Oh, he's a vibe setter. Or do do you do you categorize DJs that way, or do you just look at them as DJs? Because a lot of people, you know, being a turntablist is different than somebody that rock a party. Absolutely, you could do both. Absolutely, but you could be separated too. So how do how do you feel about that? Um. Yeah, you know, honestly, I, I I never really thought about it. I, I'm pretty sure I do in my head label somebody like okay, let's let's just do. I'll I'll do like like okay, burn like DJ Burn to me is somebody that can set like and what I'm thinking, I'm thinking like okay, set a vibe and he can rock a party. But I also know he's been learning on how to do. You know, like turntable and stuff or whatever yeah. and, and stuff like that so it's like I haven't seen him do it live or whatever and he but doesn't he, necessarily have to do it live but I mean cause where how do you do that live like, like unless you're like showcasing <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. like I mean you could implement it into stats which which Craig is excellent at doing um but you know, you don't want to do that in the middle of a of a party. I mean, you can as long as you make it dope. But anyways, like I don't know. Like yeah, there's people. There's just some people that I do. Honestly, now I think about it, because like my homie True Skills. Like I just know that dude digs for like the most craziest, most rare dope records. So I know like he's just going to play joints. So like I was like, oh okay, like he's going to just. But he can also rock a party at this. Like he can rock a party, but. He's he's just going to be like that guy that kind of like you know plays a record and fades out and then he just brings in the next one yeah. or whatever. But I perceive to me that doesn't bother me. Okay. I know some people are bothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But- it doesn't bother me because as long as you're like to me the end result is if you're killing a party, like if I think obviously like, if I think you're killing a party, like if you're playing like if you're playing a bunch of corny stuff and killing a party, I'm like yeah you're playing corny crap like whatever get out of here. But like. If you're playing like all these joints and I'm like, oh snap, like I don't know, it just doesn't bother me. I don't know, maybe it's I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> nah, nah, I'm with you. Um, cause I always think uh, like I always think of like a track. You know, I probably reference him a lot on the, on these shows because mm-hmm. like obviously we know him. You know, his his younger. You yeah, know, he was a turntablist, right, right? Championship, like right. I watched that like when it happened, like, but. There's some people that's so skilled at what he did, or you know, but they can't rock a party. Correct. Like how? I, like I get what you're saying. Do you feel like? Do you feel like they should be labeled turntablists or just like you're a DJ? Like uh, you just. Um. Okay. I'll be honest with you. I I personally think that nowadays that's not a a, a big issue. It was at a time. Cause that's like all people would do. Like it's just like, like for instance, like Tuber and you know Mixmaster Mike and yeah and Shortcut and all these dudes. Scratch yeah, it's all scratch and pickles yeah. and beat junkies. They would just show up and just do routines for like an hour long. But now, like they don't do that. They just they they're, they're rocking parties and stuff. So like, um, I think most DJs nowadays they really don't do all the turntable. I mean, it's really not. I haven't been to. I haven't been to a thing, an event in Columbus, and I don't know how long, where I just heard DJing scratching, like heard DJ scratching. Yeah. That used to be a thing years ago, but now, like, I mean, just to have, like, I've talked about it. I know you might have heard me talk about it. I just, you know, just to have, like, a, a an event for just the DJs, just to have everybody come together and have a session like everybody's yeah. like working on their skills or whatever. Like that used to be a thing years ago. Yeah. You know, and that doesn't happen anymore. And it's just like, but it was fun. And I think nowadays it would honestly be a I think it'd be good because I mean it just it builds community and builds relationships and and um instead of just having everything on social media, like we actually all together in one spot. I mean that's how Redo started out. Yeah. That's exactly what Redo was. <laughs> um do you personally um, do you think that every DJ should learn how to DJ on vinyl? Um, nah, I don't think every DJ. I, I think that's up to the person. I mean, 
it's just all about creating, like making the art, keeping the art alive or whatever, like keeping that part alive. And as long as there's enough people that have interest in it, like I'm okay with that. Like, um, I don't know, man. Cause <laughs> I, I see that's what I'm saying. People think I'm a purist, and I promise you, I'm not, man. Like, I mean, I am to a certain just degree. Yeah, I like my my perception of you in the beginning was that you were uh, backpack hip hop, and, and I am that. But there's levels to it. Yeah, but you're also like, yeah, I know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like what I like is what I like and what yeah. I love, but. I, like yeah, I'm not oblivious to anything. Right, it's just like I'm like yeah, I'm glad. Like there's there's uh, my homie um, uh, uh, Jorge. Like he's a he's a b boy becoming a DJ, and he's all about the original like '81 style. <laughs> like you know, he's like f you know yeah. forget computers. I'm and I'm I'm trying to tell him like no, bro, get yourself a laptop and stop trying to buy five hundred dollar <laughs> records and download that stuff, man. Like. Like, you're, you're killing yourself. You're like, don't do that, man. Like, you're, you're like, not now. Like, you know, you got the the technology to save money and just, and ain't nobody going to be mad at you. Like, as you're buying records, that's cool. But, yeah. like, you know, you could you can get away. Like, I don't know. But, no, as far as your original question, no, I don't think everybody has to do that. But I do think it's, a, it's dope when somebody does show interest in it and wants to, you know, learn history. And, and there's, I, again, there's plenty of people out there that's, that want to know and want to keep that history going. So that's why it's, a, it's not a big deal to me. That's dope. Um, this is a two-part question. What's the most expensive record you bought? Mm-hmm. And how many records do you think you have? Okay. Uh, most expensive record I bought was $100, and it is worth way more than that, even when I bought it, which was the... Uh, the uh, Tom Scott uh, Honeysuckle record, which is the um, the uh, the original for they reminisce over you. The whole oh, okay. <laughs> so I was after that record for a long time, and uh, I was at a record store down in uh, Love Loveland, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cincinnati. It's called Platte Room Records. <laughs> dope record store. I got shot them out. They also uh, run Coal Mine Records, which is a really dope record label. Uh, for like soul funk and stuff like that but anyways um they had it there for 100 bucks and it was sealed like it was i mean og copy sealed for a hundred dollars yo that even back then this was like four years ago maybe even then that record probably could have gone for like five or six hundred dollars they had it for a hundred so <laughs> yeah, that is. I was like, "Yo, hold this for," and I had a relationship with them already. I, like, I didn't have the money on me at the time, and I was like, "Look, please hold this for. I'll be back in like two days." And they did. They held. They held it for me. Thank nope. God. And then, as far as how much I have, yo, I'm gonna be shocked. I thought I have a lot more. I would honestly say I have anywhere between like records, vinyl, like in between three to four thousand. Like forty five is probably about a little over a thousand, maybe. I feel like I should have more than that because I've been buying records since I was sixteen. <laughs> but that's all. But I think I, I think I got a lot of quality though. So like I think mine's more quality over quantity. Um, but but then you guys remember you remember when you came over my crib. You saw I yeah. got a lot of tapes and CDs too. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. have so much history over like, here, bro. Like you need to start a museum, man. Like that's yeah, I mean all those tapes because I've been buying tapes since I was a kid. So. You know, and I, and I kept all of it. I mean, don't get me wrong, through the years, a lot of stuff's been stolen or lost or... So, I mean, I would have more, but, yeah, I don't have no crazy, like, 20,000 records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... What, um... Out of every record store you've been into, what is, like, your favorite record store? Not even in Ohio, but just anywhere you've been. Mm. <clears throat> Man, that's... Oh, you know what? Jerry Jerry's Records in Pittsburgh is a really dope experience. Uh, it is because it is it's the size of their store. It's just humongous, and it's like you just go in there and you just like you just never see anything like that in your life. And then the the prices of the records are very fair. So like you know you could you could come up with some some good stuff and and not have to break an arm and a leg. Um, but as far as like that's a dope spot. 
Uh, a lot of spots I used to go to, like they're not really around anymore. When we used to, because we used to have to travel. Like Absolutely. that was that was the part. <laughs> so back then, like you know, back I'm talking like back then. I'm talking like the '90s, 2000s. Like you know, Columbus. I mean, we would get some stuff, but overall, like it was still we were still late on a lot of records on getting records, like certain records here. So you'd have to travel to like Cleveland or Pittsburgh, Cincinnati to like come up on some like really dope stuff because just the record stores for whatever reasons didn't get everything here so like we were and then you want to make your crates different from everybody else yeah so yeah but I mean like Shake It Records down in Cincinnati is a dope spot that I mean it's still around I really like that spot and um, as far as in Columbus Youth Kids has been around since I mean, since I've been buying records, so in and Magnolia and Thunder Pussy, they've been around. They they weren't really focused on hip hop too much back then, but they are. They did once my homie West got in there, and he like really bulked up on the hip hop stuff. Yeah, um, in the because um, Juice Kids is where I usually get my vinyls from. Mm-hmm. Um, Thunder Pussy, I. It's rare that I find yeah. something in there. Well, Roots, now, Roots Records too. Roots was was uh, they had a they had a cool hip hop section years ago, but like now, like now they kind of what's called Rich Street Records. Yeah. You've been there, yeah, yeah. But like now, like that's that's like my favorite store right now is is that spot because they just it's kind of like a, a time capsule, like it's kind of like what it was back in the like early two thousands, like no stores like that. So uh, I, I like I, I really like that story a lot. Do you believe, as a as a hip hop dude, do you believe DJs make the best producers? Because I and, and I say that, and you know, I mentioned it to Crate, and I mentioned it to O. Um, Jess, shit, Jimmy Jam, Dr. Dre, Premier. Um, RZA, like, you know, all, like, all these dope producers were once DJs. I think RZA started out as a producer, but... Manny uh, Fresh. Manny Fresh, uh, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on where... John, everybody, yeah. These DJs, do you believe, like, a, a DJ could probably make a better producer in your eyes? Yeah, and the only reason why... I say that. Oh man, I'm not serious. Okay, never mind. I'll oh, you just dropped your shit. <laughs> I'll tell you about it. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely got to take care of this after the no home. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, yeah, I think the DJs because I think the DJs when I think the DJs, in my opinion, they listen more to like the melodies and you know like what's going on in the music and stuff like that I think and they're trying to replicate a lot of that stuff in my opinion instead of a producer just like somebody that really never listened like like for instance let me give you an example like when I was telling you when we were first like I was showing you how to DJ yeah now I'm like song structure I'm like breaking down song structure for you and all that stuff like as a DJ you know you learn all that stuff you know you're, you're learning all that stuff so if you're just a producer, like, or, you know, don't, you haven't been DJing and really studying music like that, like, you're not, you're not thinking, yeah, you're not, not you thinking don't have all up. that in there. So, you might get it later on, you know, we should get it later on, but, like, <laughs> I feel like it's definitely an advantage, you know, and especially with, with all the, the, the people that you name. You know, they definitely were, you know, digging in crates in the 70s and stuff. So you're listening to so much different music. Like, to me, I, like, I'm, I know I'm going everywhere. Nah. I'm just trying to explain, like, like, where you need to be. Like, hip-hop, <coughs> to me, is so basic. Like, with the music, like, the structure of it, it's like 16 bars, 16 bars, <laughs> done. Like, yeah. and it's like, yo, man, when you listen to James Brown, you got bridges. You got, you know, like a four-bar bridge. bridge like, eight-bar yeah, bridge. Yeah, this, like, even with pop music, like you, you might not even get the hook. Dog. You might not even get a word to after sixteen bars. Like. I mean, you listen to heavy. Like when I listen to like metal and rock music, like you know, you're, you the, the song starts off at like like real slow, and then bam, like then they're into the you know, and then they then they slow it down, and it's like, oh man, I love like that's why like I mean I love hip hop. Hip hop's always gonna be my first love, but like when. 
I kind of feel like that's why I feel like 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 a like with Kendrick, like with his first the first official album. Yeah. Like there's yeah. so many breakdowns in the music. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Bad Mac Kid, Bad City, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, Like the music is just going everywhere, and I, I mean, I, I love that man. Like to me, that's that's just incredible. Out, outside of hip hop, what is your favorite genre of music? Definitely jazz. I love jazz, man. Wow. Jazz is incredible. Like, I did not see that. <laughs> oh, man. oh man, jazz music is. You sit down, throw on a good Donald Bird record, or you know, like Herbie Hancock or somebody. Like man, that stuff just even a, you know. Ron Carter on the bass, like yeah, it's just so. Ron Carter, man. Bob, I mean Bob James, like I can listen to Bob James, like his, all his like CTIs, like his early '70s stuff, like all day long, man. Where I, I know, but for the listeners, where would they know Bob James from? Like he what? What's One of the most <laughs> famous samples of all time. He's got two of them, technically. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Nautilus is the one with. Uh, if I can remember the like Daytona 500, that Daytona Ghostface. Daytona 500. A lot. Just look up Bob James Nautilus. Yeah. Like it's been sampled so many times. Too many times. Especially in the like 90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then um, Night Wonder Freak did pretty dope in the early 2000s for MERS. He did a really good uh, rendition of it. But um, And then the other one is he did the, the break for it. It's called, uh, was it something, Return to Mardi Gras? Or yeah, Mardi Gras. Party for Mardi Gras or whatever, yeah. which is the Rock the Bells, yep. the Peter Piper and all that stuff. Shout out to Biz Market. He always said he had the Mardi Gras without the bells. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. He might have been capping, but... Recipes I don't know, man. Biz had a lot of a lot of he, shit though. He had a lot of exclusive stuff. Yeah, it was like some like promotional COVID season <laughs> yeah. version or something. I wouldn't put it past him though, man. Man, recipes yeah, man. man. That dude, that's yo, man. Yeah, I, that's uh um, so we will start a two hour freaking podcast and we just start on talking biz. about him, man. Yeah. People gotta know that dude. Fortunately so to meet Biz, so that was dope. Um do you prefer scratching or playing music with vinyl or on Serato? I'm definitely vinyl. I'll be honest with you. I really don't like Serato. The feeling of it. Yeah. Like, I know some people will say, oh, well, I don't feel a difference. And that's fine. Like, you know, that's, I'm not going to debate it. I do. Technically, I do. And and I, I prefer vinyl for sure. But I don't have a problem using Serato. I, I mean, I like using Serato as far as the purpose of it. Yeah, but yeah, I'm all. I give me vinyl any day. I don't care scratchings. You know, you gotta be more careful because on vinyl. I mean, on Serato, you could, man, you could, you could scratch with a hammer. It's not gonna gonna skip. You know what I'm saying? Like you could be the most heavy-handed dude in the world. You know, and but uh, you know when that you you touch that vinyl, man, that's a whole different story. Yeah, and that, yeah, because I, I was talking to Boog today, and he was talking about, you know, you know, Boog loves house music, and I'm trying to get him on the show, and he will not come on the show. Um, but he, <laughs> you know, how Boog is, so yeah. he was just talking about like, shit, Serato has like a no skip mode and like everything, like you know, what I'm saying compared to vinyl, he's like, yeah, some of my records are skipping when I was playing the house music, but he's yeah. like, shit, you gotta adjust. Just with the time, I think another thing too is the EQ, and like I feel like the with records you got to EQ a little bit more. You got to you know you just got to have an ear. Like okay, but you know because most people nowadays with the MP3s are all like 320 like kilobytes per second, so most of them sound pretty good. But um, yeah, with records like every record is pressed differently. They all have a different sound. So you got to like learn how to EQ on the spot. So it's definitely more of a challenge. I love it, man. Um, top five DJs of all time. All time? Oh, <coughs> think about it because I know it changes. Yeah. Um, which is funny because you know 
I know, give me time to think about it, but <laughs> I was talking I was talking to the homies today about um they were talking about the bad boy the bad boy shiny shoot air and like, you know, I, you know, everybody thinks hip hop sucks now or whatever, but I'm like, you find what you like, play what you like, man. There's too much music out there for you oh, to complain. Too much. Um but I was like, you know, Mace is in my top five. Mace used to be in my top five MCs, now he's in my top ten MCs. You know, he's in he's not in my five anymore. But um, I know, I know DJs change. And, yeah. you know, give me, all right, let me put it like this because I don't want you to say like. No, you know, I, I can give you a five. I mean, because I know it's going to change all the time. So No, I feel like, you know, people give their fives, but it's the popular DJs. They know, like, oh, Kid Capri, DJ Well, yeah, Capri. I mean, Kid, yeah, I mean, Kid like, Capri's it, in there. Like, I get, like, you know, obviously we know those, but give me five. Matter of fact, give me five gym DJs that, you know what I'm saying, that you like, yo, like, yeah, these 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 are the dudes for real. And you and okay. you, you can start with Kid Capri. I mean, Kid is. I mean, well, yeah, Kid Capri. I mean, I'm just gonna give you like Kid Capri for sure. And then like everybody has like their own reason why. Like, I mean, sure. So like Kid Capri is one. Qbert uh, for me. Qbert. Um, there's a DJ. His name is DJ Noise. Out of like, I think he's out of the UK. I, I, man, that dude is. To me, I mean, he's he's. People look up to him. I think like as far as great, how great he is, like, and what he did in the DMCs. I think it's it's kind of overlooked how dope that dude was. Um, so I'm a big fan of DJ Noise, even though I don't have a whole lot on him. Just everything that I've seen is just blowing my mind with him. Um, Qbert. Uh, K. Capri, Noise. Um, it's it's hard because it's, honestly, it's kind of hard for me to, to name five. Not that I'm trying to like exclude anybody. Yeah. It's just like I kind of had to sit down and really think about it because, um, man. Well, okay. How about okay? I'll name this Dirty Harry, but that was because of mixtapes. So Dirty Harry, if people don't, Dirty Harry. Um, Mixtape, his mixtape sounded like movies, and he actually produced for Alicia Keys early on in her yep. career, and he got a Grammy off of that. I sure did. Um, and he's still around. Them Dirty Harry mixtapes was hard body. Like those ones, I got like all. I mean, I don't have like every single one, but I have a good collection of his and all that stuff that he was doing in the mid '90s, even in the 2000s. Yeah, like it was just, man. It was the most creative stuff I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, so Dirty, Dirty Harry, and then um, oh man, I kind of want to say, in a way, I kind of want to say Ice because it's just you know it's, it's a it's a home you know he's here, and then like knowing what he did for DJing, absolutely, like for scratching and just DJing in general. Um, I watch Ice. You know, and I, and I definitely want to get Ice on the show. I watch Ice where it literally dropped the needle, scratching, mm-hmm. like, yeah, finding the groove and dropping the needle, needle to the groove. Right. I mean, like, like all the people, the people that I just named, he inspired all of them. Yes. Like, every single one of them. They'll tell you that. Like, I mean, Q, I mean, Cuber, like, that dude praises Mixmaster Ice. So it's like, and, and, and like for me to be able to like, I can call Ice right now. I know you can too. Like, I mean, of course, and like for me to have that privilege, I know there are DJs I look up to that don't even have that privilege. Bro, like, <laughs> like I was with Ice like that's last week, like, and you know, sometimes you take it for granted, but then like when I pitched him what I was doing with Needle to the Groove and he was like, send me your info. And I text him, he said, I already have your number. I said, Mixmaster Ice has my number. You know, like, I fanned out real quick. But, you know, it's like, I'm old, so I don't want to be like, but I fanned out real quick on the inside, like, yo, like, DJ Mixmaster Ice, like, nigga, UTFO, like, Roxanne, Roxanne, like, he has my number. Like, y'all understand, but... 
Yeah. Like, I, the reason why I'm going, I, I, I would say the reason why I put Ice in my top five is more or less kind of what I was talking about earlier with that Mount Rushmore thing with the MCs. It's like Ice wasn't really in when I was coming up. Like that's what, like really the start of like turntablism or whatever. Like kind of like the early birth of it. So I was more or less looking up to like Rock Raider and like Rob Swift and Totally Eclipse and all those cats. I mean, I guess Rock Raider could be in my in my top my top five because he did have a pretty big impact on me. Yeah, Rock Raider. So oh, I mean, absolutely. I would definitely say not see not being able to talk about it. Definitely. I was gonna name some people, man. The Rock Raider, uh, DJ Babu. I was a Babu had a huge influence on me. Yeah, um, and, um, and I got to see him live in Ohio in Springfield back in like '99 or 2000. What's his um, uh, his man's name? The be with Babu. Babu's with the with the bee junkies with, with like with the junkies, all the bee yeah. junkies, but I don't know. It's Babu Shortcut is like the other I'm, Babu and Shortcut. I think used to do a lot of stuff together, but well, he was with Dilated. He's the Dilated People's DJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so yeah. like Evidence and Air, Air Science, but so like that like Rock Raider, but like Mix Master Ice. Like I know he influenced all of them, but he really wasn't at that time when I was coming up. Like. You know, I knew who Ice was, but like I hadn't done all my homework and like really knew his impact. You know, so now it's like, yo, man, like you just gotta give it up to that dude, man. He really is. Ice like, is a legend, man. Living you know, legend, man. Living style. legend. That dude is like, yeah, like when if however you look up to any person in hip hop. That to you is a legend. Like that's if you're in Columbus and you know Ice, like you had to put that in your mind. Like Ice is like on the level of that person yeah. to so many people. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's like he's like, a, like not even being funny, man. He's like a Jay Z to a lot of DJs. Exactly. There you go. Perfect. And like perfect not even example. it's not hyperbole or anything. He, I mean, you got to think, man. At '85, he he was a god. Like god. he he was a god at what he was doing. What he did with that scratch and just, I mean. Because it, it just wasn't heard on records back then, really. That's That was the first time people were able to hear scratching on records. And when they were hearing it, it was kind of, like, basic. Yeah. But what he was doing just took it. That's what started taking it to that next level. Between yeah. him and DST on the Herbie Hancock uh, rocking it joint. Yeah. Between those two cats. But... Shout out to Miss Master Ice. I hope I get you on here, bro. Um, definitely talking into fruition, so we're going to see. Um, DJ Pass 2. Yes. I want to thank you for your time, brother. All right. I mean, this is a great conversation. We don't get to talk about no beefs, no, like, nah, no. talking no shit. We talking DJ talk, man. I'll call you out, Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to OG Prime, man. No, I'm um, <laughs> That's the homie. I love Yeah, that. yeah, love Prime, man. Needle to the groove, man. Um, I, it's a blessing, man. I get down and talk to my DJ friends, man. You know what I'm saying? And I enjoyed it. I, I, I love this shit, and I love this culture, and I'm learning how to DJ, and... You know, I, I, it's just a passion of mine too. Like, I, I did it all in DJ, in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Without ever making it, you know. But in my eyes, I, like, it's a blessing that I can do this shit. So, well, you got to love for music. It's a, you know, it's another great rebranding yourself. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of artists. You know, Quali and whoever. Oh, Quali, like, yeah. You know, they're out there. Skills. You know, look what he. Skills. Did. Yeah. You know, back with Jazzy Def. It's being able to take your love for music for all. Jazzy Def not even top five. What? Man, I missed that. He, I, he, I missed that. Like that was eighty six, eighty five. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, eighty seven, whatever. Like, no, I remember seeing him, but like, nah. you know, it just wasn't. Nah, man. Nah, but that's how I started getting active with it, like totally active, and then that's when yeah. all those cats started coming up with the mixtapes and all that. Man, I want to thank you for your time, brother. Thank you for coming to the crib. Yeah, um, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Needle to the groove, man. It's your boy Chad Dave, man. DJ Pass 2, we out of here. Peace. Peace.